Chapter Two of The Emancipation of South America by Bartolome Mitre, translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Chapter Two, San Martin in Europe and in America, 1778-1812. Jose de San Martin was born on the 25th of February, 1778, at the town of Yapeyu in Misiones and was the fourth son of captain don juan de san martin who was at that time lieutenant-governor of the department of yapeu when he was eight years old the family went to spain and he became a pupil in the seminary of nobles at madrid where he remained only two years and learned little beyond the rudiments of mathematics and something of drawing before he was twelve years old he joined the murcia regiment as a cadet the uniform of this regiment was white and blue the same colours the mature soldier afterwards carried in triumph over half a continent his first campaign was in africa where he received his baptism of fire in the battle against the moors when in garrison at oran in seventeen ninety one the city at that time besieged by the moors was destroyed by an earthquake in seventeen ninety three he joined the army of aragon and served under ricardos against the republicans of france on their own territory this experience was of great value to him as ricardos was the best tactician among the spanish generals of that day after two successful actions at masdel and Trouillet, ricardos was forced to retire to the foot of the mountains where he maintained his position for twenty days against the constant attacks of the enemy and san martin so distinguished himself that he was promoted to the rank of sub-lieutenant in the following may after the death of ricardos the murcia formed part of the garrison of port vendre which after beating off two attacks of the french was forced to retreat to coyur and there surrendered san martin gained another step by his conduct in these affairs in seventeen ninety five the peace at basilea freed the young lieutenant from his parole in the following year his father died and the treaty of san ildefonso brought spain as an ally of the french republic into collision with great britain on the fourteenth of february seventeen ninety seven the murcia on board the spanish mediterranean squadron took part in the disastrous affair of cape st vincent on the fifteenth of august seventeen ninety eight san martin was marine officer on the santa dorotea when that ship was captured after a desperate defence by the english sixty-four gun ship lion and being thus for the second time debarred from active service he devoted his leisure to the study of mathematics and drawing in the year eighteen hundred at the head of a company of his old regiment he took part in the serio-comic war with portugal known as the war of the oranges and was present at the siege of olivenza after the peace of amiens in 1802 his regiment was employed in the blockade of gibraltar and ceuta and in 1804 we find him in garrison at cadiz as second captain of a light infantry regiment where his conduct during a pestilence was as honourable to him as had been his conduct in the field by the treaty of fontainebleau in 1807 france and spain divided portugal and her colonies between them and a column of six thousand spanish troops under solano invaded portugal the regiment to which san martin was attached captured the town of yelve but took no further part in the campaign the emet of the second of may at madrid gave the signal for an outbreak of popular indignation against the usurpations of napoleon 
the news reached the army of solano when on the march for cadiz solano was at first undecided what course to adopt but his appointment as captain-general of andalusia and governor of cadiz being confirmed by the french he on the twenty eighth of may issued a proclamation condemning the insurrection the people flocked in crowds to the palace shouting for an immediate attack upon the french squadron lying in the harbour in the confusion some shots were fired san martin who was officer of the guard withdrew his troops into the house and closed the door it was blown in by a cannon shot but time had been gained for the escape of solano across the roof to a neighbouring house where however he was soon afterwards found and cruelly butchered this tragedy was never effaced from the memory of san martin and without doubt greatly affected his policy on many subsequent occasions in spite of his love of liberty he ever after looked with horror upon mobs and upon governments who relied upon them he considered that intelligence supported by orderly strength should hold the government of the world nevertheless his reason and his heart must have told him that the cause of spain was just and that the executions on the prado of madrid on the second of may were more barbarous and less justifiable than was the murder of solano about this time it is said that miranda visited cadiz in disguise but for this report we can find no foundation he was the founder and organizer of the secret societies to which south americans throughout europe were already affiliated but spain was the last country in europe in which such societies were established cadiz being the one port open to american trade became naturally at this time the centre of the revolutionary propaganda in the early years of the nineteenth century an association styled sociedad de lautaro or caballeros racionales had ramifications all over spain and was affiliated with the gran reunion americana established in london by miranda the society had in cadiz alone in the year eighteen o eight more than forty members some of them grandees of spain those of the first grade were pledged to work for the independence of america those of the second swore quote, to recognize no government in america as legitimate unless it was elected by the free and spontaneous will of the people and to work for the foundation of the republican system of this society san martin became a member an american by birth a revolutionist by instinct and a republican by conviction he was perchance without knowing it an adept of miranda and was destined to make the dream of the master a reality when the bones of that master lay rotting on the mud banks upon which his eye might at the time often rest at the same time with san martin three other members joined the lodge alvear who was his confidant till he became jealous of his fame jose miguel carrera who was to die cursing him and most modest of all the naval lieutenant matias tapiola who was afterwards his right arm on many a hard-fought field san martin was the least brilliant and the poorest of them all his comrades recognized the superiority of his talents as a soldier and said that he did the thinking for them all but in the great revolutionary drama that all foresaw they assigned to him only the place of a stern warrior alvear and carrera the most arrogant and the most ambitious were to be the heroes the general rising in spain found san martin in his place as an officer of light infantry under the command of colonel menacho 
he was soon promoted and his regiment joined the second division of the army of andalusia commanded by marquis de coupigny when the french under dupont crossed the sierra morena he was placed in charge of the line of the guadalquivir on the twenty second of june eighteen o eight he led a mixed column against the advanced guard of the enemy and charged a detachment of cavalry with such impetuosity at the head of twenty-one hussars that he killed seventeen of the enemy took four prisoners and all their horses and retired in triumph in the face of very superior numbers this action was greatly applauded by the whole army a badge of honour was given to all who charged with him and he was appointed captain in the bourbon regiment quote, on account of distinguished conduct in the action at argonilla the small triumph was the precursor of one of the greatest victories of the epoch before one month had elapsed the imperial eagles of napoleon were beaten by the army of recruits inspired by patriotism and captain san martin was mentioned with distinction in the order of the day of the battle of bailen the road to madrid being opened by this victory the army of andalusia entered the capital in triumph and san martin received with his commission as lieutenant colonel a gold medal for his conduct in the battle he was afterwards present at the disaster of tudela and in the retreat to cadiz and in eighteen ten was appointed aide-de-camp to the marquis of coupigny in eighteen eleven he took part in the bloody battle of albuera where the french were defeated by an allied army against general beresford the same who five years previously had capitulated to Inier at buenos aires the same year he joined the sagunto regiment the escutcheon of which was a son with this motto hoe nubila tolunt obstantia solvens dissipates clouds and removes obstacles this was the last spanish standard under which san martin fought and its symbol was identical with that of the flag of the unyet unthought of army of the andes the prophecy of the dying pit was realized napoleon had stirred up against himself a national war and was irredeemably lost spain allied with great britain in saving herself saved europe from his brutal domination and the american creole having paid with usury his debt to the mother country could now honorably leave her san martin had fought under her flag for twenty years he had seen the strategy of great generals had learned the tactics of every arm in the service the pupil was now a master able to give lessons he turned his eyes to his own country and seeing her in difficulty resolved to return and consecrate his life to her service the confidant of his projects and sentiments on this occasion was a singular personage lord macduff afterwards earl of fife was a scotch noble descended from that shakespearean hero who slew macbeth he was in vienna when the spanish insurrection broke out in eighteen o eight he came over at once and enlisted as a simple volunteer as such he took part in most of the great battles of the time in one of which he was seriously wounded and was given the rank of a general of spain for his services then it was that san martin and macduff became acquainted their generous natures had a profound sympathy each for the other their friendship was enhanced by the dangers they shared and continued so long as both lived by his help and by the interposition of sir charles stuart a diplomatic agent in spain 
San Martin obtained a passport for London, and received from his friend letters of introduction and letters of credit, of which he made no use. In London he met his comrades Alviar and Sapiola, and other South Americans who were there at the time. All belonged to the secret society founded in London by Miranda, in which Bolivar had just taken the oath before leaving for Venezuela in company with the illustrious master. San Martin and his two comrades were initiated in the fifth and last grade, and in January 1812 embarked on the George Canning for the River Plate. On the 9th of March they reached Buenos Aires, accompanied by various officers, who came to offer their swords in the cause of independence. The moment was a critical one in the history of the American Revolution. The serious work was just commencing. The real struggle between patriots and royalists was yet to come, and the discordance of the various elements of society only now became apparent. The Argentine Revolution had provoked insurrection in Chile, both by diplomacy and by example. Her first army of volunteers had marched to Upper Peru with the object of striking the enemy in the center of his power, and in November 1810 had won the first victory of the war at Suipacha, but was eight months later defeated at Waqui and compelled to retreat to Tucuman. Buenos Aires had attempted to gain command of the rivers by arming a small squadron, which was destroyed by the enemy in the Paraná. A Portuguese army of 4,000 men held the line of the Uruguay. Paraguay had commenced a system of isolation, almost of hostility. The movement in Chile, at first successful, was in 1812 threatened by an expedition from Peru, and the young republic unfortunately put her trust in José Miguel Carrera, who, with some attractive qualities, possessed no solid talents, either military or political. In this same month of March, an earthquake destroyed the city of Caracas. Reaction triumphed over Miranda in Venezuela. Only in New Granada did the revolutionary cause maintain a footing for some time longer. In 1815, all the insurrections in South America had been suppressed, save only the Argentine Revolution, which was never overpowered. Meantime, the Viceroyalty of Peru, holding a central position, with a strong army and the command of the sea, was the centre of reaction, and the masses of the people not yet implicated in the revolution began to look unfavourably upon it, as their eyes were opened to the perils it invoked, and to the sacrifices it involved. The Argentine Revolution has as yet no fixed plan. In so rudimentary a state of society, the actual leaders had but little power to direct the latent strength of the people, and even among themselves opinions were divided, some believing that the centralization of power in the city of Buenos Aires was the only means of ensuring the success of the revolutionary movement, while to others decentralization seemed the only necessary condition of national life. The revolution arose in the city. Its legality was based upon municipal rights, and could not long maintain its original form. It could only live by a wider popularity based upon the sovereignty of the people at large. Fortunately, the men, at this time at the helm, were the most intelligent, energetic, and foreseeing who ever acted together on this stage. The first executive government, installed on the 25th of May, 1810, was a junta, in imitation of those established in Spain to resist the domination of the French. 
modified a year later by the admission of deputies from the provinces it became a many-headed monster useless alike for debate and for administration it was succeeded by a triumvirate under the name of the executive government which by the aid of those men saved the state from shipwreck such was the situation of the united provinces of the river plate when san martin landed on argentine soil twenty-six years before while yet a child he had left his native land now he returned in the ripeness of manhood tempered in the struggles of life tutored in the art of war initiated in the mysteries of secret societies formed for the propagation of the new ideas of liberty the new champion brought to the american cause tactics and discipline applied both to politics and to war and in embryo a vast plan for a continental campaign which should embrace half a world and should result in its independence it has been said that san martin was not a man but a mission and in truth seldom has the influence of one man upon the destinies of humanity been greater than his he was at once the arm and the head of the argentine hegemony he combined the evolutions of armies with those of nations marking each evolution with some achievement either political or military obtained great results with the least possible means and without waste of strength and showed how a people may be redeemed without being oppressed his character is even yet an historical enigma the grandeur of those whose names attain immortality is measured not so much by their deeds or by their talents as by the effects their memory has upon the consciences of men causing them to vibrate from one generation to another in sympathy with an idea or with a passion the moral grandeur of san martin consists in this that nothing is known of the secret ambitions of his life that he was in everything disinterested that he confined himself strictly to his mission and that he died in silence showing neither weakness pride nor bitterness at seeing his work triumphant and his part in it forgotten san martin was a man of stalwart frame his face was the reflex of his mind a fiery spirit hidden under a studious reserve of manner which at times exploded his head which was of medium size he carried very erect his thick black hair he always wore cut short the straight high forehead indicated the presence of a strong and healthy brain the darkness of his complexion was deepened by exposure his large black eyes were fringed by long lashes and overhung by heavy eyebrows which met when he frowned these eyes were the characteristic feature of his face disclosing the intensity of his nature but hiding his purpose his nose was long aquiline and prominent mouth small with firm red lips teeth strong and white his chin and jaw showed strength of will and the absence of animal passions his voice was rough his gestures simple and his whole person inspired at once respect and sympathy note captain basil hall who paid a visit to san martin in the month of june eighteen twenty one on board the schooner montezuma then at anchor in the callao roads thus describes his personal appearance Quote, general san martin is a tall erect well-proportioned handsome man with a large aquiline nose thick black hair and immense bushy whiskers extending from ear to ear under the chin 
his complexion is deep olive and his eye which is large prominent and piercing jet black his whole appearance being highly military he is thoroughly well-bred and unaffectedly simple in his manners exceedingly cordial and engaging and possessed evidently of great kindliness of disposition in short i have never seen any person the enchantment of whose address was more irresistible san martin gave verbal orders with great precision and in ordinary conversation was fond of a joke he wrote laconically in a style of his own and was much given to reading french authors very reserved and of warm affection he was a great observer of men studying how he made best avail himself of such talents as they possessed haughty by nature unobtrusive both by temperament and by system he forced upon himself a stoical disregard of injuries he was studiously moderate and patient in the elaboration of his plans a slave to duty himself he was tolerant of human frailty in others but could be severe when severity was requisite he was as with truth and with posthumous justice he has been styled by vicuna mackenya the greatest of the creoles of the new world End quote. End of chapter 2